Gracias. Welcome to Unaccountable, the world's okayest game show for accounting news, education, and product updates. I am your basket case of a host, Tyler Otto, and I'm joined by the hot mess express that is Jeremy Van Grohl. How are you today, sir? A hot mess could not be more accurate, sir, today. But I'm all right. How are you? Life's good. I mean, it's the end of the year. We're not yet into like the painful season that is like right before Christmas and, and going into 1099. So like, I feel like, you know, it's a semi, it's not as painful of the calm before the storm as I've seen in the past. So I'm feeling good. Yeah. We've had a, just a stressful couple weeks, man. We had somebody from our team got another great opportunity to be an accountant in healthcare. Guess what? I'm never going to be able to pay healthcare accountant salaries with my nonprofit firm, but wish her the best. But then also had a, a teammate that was underperforming. So we had to let her go. So we're in an interesting staffing place right now. And then said teammate decided to go out there and put out a whole bunch of bogus Google reviews that were poor for our organization. So now as the uh, leader of the organization, you got to figure out how to how to go against those and fight them and get them off your site. So just new things always happening, Tyler. But I will say, like, now you know the process of refuting a Google review. So now when a client has it, you're going to be the guy with the no. Because I remember I got excited when I first got my first unemployment claim from an employee we terminated. And it was like, great, I get to learn how these work now, like actually battling them. I've never had to battle one before. And you bet I now tell clients exactly how to do it because I learned from that pain. So maybe this is, you know, future market research, future product research for you. Oh, yeah. And like it builds your skill set, right? Whatever it is. Absolutely. Were you successful in refuting the unemployment claim? I was actually. I Who would have thought? But the state came back and said, like, there was one key phrase that the employee said in the termination thing that basically put everything on our side. So I learned things. And the state was really nice to work with. I mean, if you're nice to them, they're nice to you. Man, I feel like you need, like, the hand of God sometimes to, to, to get the state to believe you that, hey, they were only here and then they didn't show up the next day and they were gone. Why am I supposed to pay them unemployment? Well, this is where you take a, a page out of the Melissa Honan book of knowledge, where she will tell you document everything, record yeah. everyone on one, have the backup you needed, because you will never regret having it. Amen. Jeremy, I can uh, sympathize with your pain train. We're right in the middle of a couple of proposals. And I'll tell you, this time of year, it seems to bring out the clients, the prospects, you will, that they love everything about our proposal. They just say, but it's twice as expensive as what we currently pay. Granted, they came to us saying we haven't seen financials in six months. None of this gets done. And when it is done, it's incorrect. So I love when clients just come back and refute your prices, but also say, but you also do more than what our current firm does. Right. And that's such an important part of that consultation is picking up on those things. So you're ready to answer those qualms that they have with your price when they come back. Well, yeah, you're right. It is expensive. However, you're actually going to get what you're paying for and have reliable and good financial information to do business with. Absolutely. It's all about education. We need to just lead off every sales consult showing them the articles that the Wall Street Journal is putting out about the accounting shortage and just be like, hey, this is market rates. We're not crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jeremy, let's jump into our first game of the day. And because it was so popular last time, we're bringing back 
we're under attacks. Jeremy, I'm going to hit you with 10 questions about just random things that have to do with taxes, which I realize is painful to you given you're a nonprofit and you don't touch taxes. But nevertheless, we're going to see how much you know. Are you ready, sir? I can't wait to bring this one back up. Let's do it. All right. Question one. How many states have no income tax? They may have other taxes like sales, use, or excise, or other stuff, but no income Didn't we talk about this one and there was an acronym? There was. Dang. That was no sales tax. Oh, no income tax. Maybe that's what I was thinking when I answered that one. I bet it was. I'm going to go, how many states have no income tax? I'm going to go six. I'm sorry, sir. The correct answer was nine, but there's actually an amazing article I want to put out there for our listeners at the end of the show, because we're going to talk about this in a minute, that not all of them are really beneficial to live in from a cost-saving standpoint. We'll get into this in the future, but just know they're not all created equal. Jeremy, second question, true or false, or two or false? I don't know. You can answer two if you want. In Arkansas, getting a tattoo incurs a 6% sales tax. I'm going to go with two. Correct answer? It is true. Or two, if you have trouble with your R's. Yes, in Arkansas, you will be incurring extra fees for getting that body all inked up. Oh, why? Does it say why? Like, how? I'm, I'm just curious. Like, who brought this tax to the state or legislative body and be like, we need to tax tattoos. Whoever has something against Alyssa Lang and Brooke Swan, those powerhouse accountants, they don't want them there. So, wow. Not for them. Jeremy, question three. True or false? In Arkansas, duck calls are considered musical instruments and are taxed as such. Are you planning on moving to Arkansas? That digging into Arkansas tax? I am going to say false. Correct. Completely made up. Thank you, chat GPT. Question four. This is going to be in Jeopardy format. I need you to answer in Jeopardy style. Okay. Here is the answer. The tax imposed on the utilization, storage, or consumption of goods and services that were purchased without paying sales tax. What are the non-sales taxable goods? I'm sorry. The correct answer is what is use tax? What is use tax? Which, Jeremy, I don't know if you have any clients that, that this becomes an issue for. Do you have any that you're filing this for regularly? We, we do have a couple where we have to do use tax on it. And I'm still confused by the concept, honestly, <laughs> to this day of why. Like, they have assets. They purchased them. You are giving them a tax just for having those things. Yeah. But let me walk you through my favorite example is some of the hotels we work with, where they're yeah. big enough to have an employee cafeteria. Now, these hotels, first of all, everyone has to know Uncle Sam only gets his cut once somewhere in the line of a product or service. So when food is grown and then harvested and then it's sold to, let's say, a middleman and then it's sold to the hotel, Uncle Sam doesn't get a cut along the way. That's all tax exempt. Uncle Sam gets his cut at the restaurant when you sell it to the final customer. That's where Uncle Sam gets his full cut. So... Hotels, they would buy all this food for all their restaurants, but then they'd use some of the food to feed the employees as a benefit. They've never paid sales tax on that food. And then no end user is going to pay sales tax when they buy the meal. It's being given to the employees for free. So the employer has to pay use tax on that food because it's never going to get a sales tax applied later on down the line. And so it's the same thing with, you know, if you have a place that does manufacturing, 
and they manufacture, I don't know, let's say they buy a whole bunch of lumber to build desks. And Uncle Sam gets his cut later on when they build the desk and sell it. But let's say they use some of that lumber to fix up things in-house at the facility. They should pay use tax on that lumber that they use. So how do you track that as the knowledgeable accountant that you are? In hotels, you got to track when inventory moves from the restaurant's supply into the cafeteria's supply. That needs to be tracked. Okay, if the state comes in and can prove you're not doing it, you get in trouble. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Question five. Jeremy, up until July 2020, which state taxed internet usage? Until July 2020 got taxed to use the internet? Oh, I'm going to go like California. According to this article, it was the state of Wisconsin. What? If you go back and check your bills, Jeremy, it says that they were imposing a surcharge tax on internet bills up until July 1st, 2020. All right. I'm going to have to go back and check some old bills here. That's yeah. News to me. Interesting. That should not surprise me, though, if you look at any of your bills from a internet provider, be it Time Warner, Spectrum, whoever it is, right? There is a section at the bottom that's got like 14 different fees in it. So it definitely could have been there for years and years, and it would be hard to have known that or called that out, given how they make that bill so interesting. Note to listeners, Jeremy Van Grohl lives in Appleton, Wisconsin. (laughs) Jeremy, true or false, in Iowa, cornhole sets are taxed as professional sports equipment. Uh, True. Sorry, that was ChatGPT helping me out again. True or false, whether or not purchasing a pumpkin is taxed in the state of Iowa is based on its intended use. It sounds good enough to be true. That is correct. When it's a decoration, it's going to be taxed differently than if it's used for baking pies or other certain types of pumpkins that can be used in food. So do you have to like check a box when you buy it at the local farm that I am going to eat this, I promise I, you? I think it's on the on the seller. If they're advertising it as like decoration versus advertising it as produce. Interesting. Jeremy, in general, if a tax-exempt nonprofit pays sales tax on an item they purchase... Who can they reach out to request a reimbursement of those sales taxes they paid? It should be the taxable uh, entity within the state, if it's a state one. You are correct. And Jeremy, can you expand on this a little? Like how much of this is a big deal for nonprofits? The biggest deal for the nonprofit is to get the tax exemption certificate that they can provide to all the vendors and people they buy from ahead of time so they don't get this tax. However. If they do not have that and have paid it, they can then petition the state or wherever the government body is that is collecting that tax, stating, here is my determination letter from the IRS that I am a nonprofit and I can get a refund of those funds coming in. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a miss because I think there's plenty of people that maybe have one or two nonprofits they're helping do the books for. If you can get receipts submitted to something like HubDoc or Dex or any other system, if you have it in your workflow to find anytime there's sales tax, break it out and put it to receivable line, you can then take that and submit all those receipts right back to the state 
and get money back for the client. Like it's you finding money in the couch cushions for your client. Yeah, absolutely. It's great value. Jeremy, in Alaska, captains of what type of ship can deduct up to 10K in expenses on their tax returns? Crab fishing. Believe it or not, whaling ships. What? I know. Can you, is it legal to fish for whale? Fish? You know, I did not get into the ethics. I just saw this and then Googled it six more times to make sure there (laughs) are plenty of places that validated this. But a whale is a mammal, right? I am not going to show my ignorance. I I think it is. I think maybe I could be wrong here. However, then can you really call it fishing if you're going for whales? Mm. Wow. Okay, hold on. You just lawyered yourself into a correct answer. Way to go, sir. (laughs) Last question, Jeremy. According to a recent study from moneygeek.com, where they graded the tax friendliness of each state, who received a better grade, Utah or Wisconsin? I'm going to go with Utah. Yes, sir. Utah rated better, although neither of us did well. We got a C. You got a D. Like neither of us are looking awesome, but I think this is a great article we can link back to because you many times you'll have clients that say like, I'm moving to whatever state to avoid sales tax or want to get out of it. And there's a whole lot of other things like cost of living, as well as how they incentivize that really plays a part into whether or not it's a good decision. In the top 10, the only one that's growing dramatically as far as friendliness is Florida, which is no surprise. They're really trying to go after population growth by reducing taxes. So it makes sense. Yeah. And plus you don't like they're the local taxes, stadium taxes, all things that can, yeah, that can make that decision super difficult. So yeah, if you're going to, if you're going to make your homestead decision based on taxes, you better do some homework. Absolutely. Jeremy, six out of 10. Way to go, sir. Above average. Many people don't say that about you. No, they do not. And if I'm batting over 500 on tax issues, that is a win. This episode of Unaccountable Podcast is sponsored by Keeper. Keeper is an all-in-one app to help bookkeepers and accountants streamline their month-end close. With Keeper, firms get faster responses from clients in a custom-branded portal, deliver better books with file review tools to catch coding errors, produce stunning management reports that clients will actually want to read, and fix their 1099 season by tracking information and requesting W-9s from vendors. All of that is powered by a two-way sync with the client's accounting file, so you can edit QuickBooks and Zero data directly in Keeper. Keeper has a very affordable and clear pricing model that starts at just $8 a month. To learn more about why thousands of bookkeepers and accountants trust Keeper to manage their month-end close, you can sign up for a trial or book a demo at Keeper.app. That's K-E-E-P-E-R dot A-P-P. Make sure you use the code UNPOD to get 20% off and let people know that you appreciate Unaccountable. Keeper, the one app to run your bookkeeping business. Jeremy, with that sound, it is time for an app snack. Yes, halftime where we sit down and break out a good old app to take a bite out of. And who are we reviewing today, sir? We are reviewing RC Reports which is something that I do not have a lot of experience with. Oh, color me surprised, listeners. But that you seem to be a proponent of. And what they do, in my understanding, is they provide S-Corp owners with calculations around reasonable compensation. So we'd love to hear your take on this. Yeah, I mean, for 
That scenario where you're trying to help a business owner decide what is their reasonable compensation. For those of you that don't know, the whole S-Corp trick to save on taxes, if you're a sole member, LLC, or a proprietor, there's a great tactic here. We're not going to get into it. But one of the things you need is to pay yourself a reasonable salary. And if the IRS audits you, there better be darn good backup as to why you're only paying yourself 40 grand a year and then taking 60 grand in profit untaxed by self-employment income. What RC Reports does is they use information from the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, and they aggregate that data based off job title, location, down to the zip code and county and city. And so you can have your client go in and fill out the information. It's about a 15-minute questionnaire of their location, but they have to break down their job as to what kind of work they do. So maybe they do 8% of the time sales and marketing, they're a manager 20% of the time, they're IT 10%. They can break it up as much as they want. But RC Reports is going to break all that down and even they can put in their competency level. So you can say, I am a great accountant and a horrible manager and it will give you high quality and low quality scores on each of those. And now you've got an eight page-ish document backed by Department of Labor Statistics that verifies how you came to that value and covers you in case of an audit. The reason I love it is because it's a flat yearly fee. So if you go to your clients and say, hey, we're going to start offering some tax, tax advisory services, and maybe you just say to each of your clients, hey, I'm going to sell you on this for 200 bucks. After you pay the once a year fee, you can do an indefinite amount of these. If you go to conferences and you're looking for a free thing to give away that takes up a little time from you, get their name and emails and say you'll give them a reasonable compensation report. It's no cost to you and it takes no time to send to them. They have to do the work on their end. And then it spits out a beautiful report branded as your company, not as RC reports. They never know that RC reports prepared it. It is wonderful as a cheap amenity that you can tack on that gives really great value. It once you pay the upfront cost. Uh, my first question is, do you think RC reports is cool with you doing that and just giving it up to <laughs> They probably are. I just, I'm just curious. That's what, that's what they advertise. This is how they sell themselves. No, nice. Okay. I like it. And I can see that. Yeah. If you're at a, a conference, right, that's huge. And plus, like I looked at a couple of the sample reports that are out here and they're slick. First of all, like they are visually appealing graphs, great titles. The wording looks excellent, all of that. So right away that you are providing that person with not only something that has value for you or for them, but also is like clear, concise, looks like very good financial information in one easy swoop. Yeah. It's a great little tool. It's something that I throw out. It, say you're trying to recover an unhappy customer. You're trying to recover that relationship. You want a free service? You can say, hey, we normally charge 800 bucks for this, but I'm going to give it to you for free as help you out. Again, it takes you a couple minutes to send out the invite, 15 minutes of their time, and you've got a beautiful report that you can still say costs several hundred bucks to produce. Because that's what I charge for it, just if someone wants it for, out from the cold, like if they just come from nowhere. It's, yeah, I highly recommend checking it out if you don't have it in your tech stack already. Do you happen to have this for a somewhat competent accounting firm owner? Yes, I have done it for my own company. Somewhat competent was a little generous on the scale. We had to really take it down. But yes, we I, I have used this as well for my own compensation. Okay, interesting. I'm going to come to your next conference if you want to hand that one out. Jeremy, I'll give you a free reasonable compensation study tomorrow. We'll find out that you work eight hours a week. Yes, that is definitely the over under is eight hours a week. And now for In the News. 
Tyler, you got a couple things out here. What do you, what's going on? What do you want to share? Well, first of all, Jeremy, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Okay. So we talked several episodes ago about FedNow, the new payment processing system that the government's releasing. What yeah. major milestone did they hit this last month? Mm, it's got to either be number of users or banks or something on it or a dollar amount. I'm going to go with they hit a million users. I mean, I'm not going to go a million users, but I'm still going to give you credit for thinking of milestones. They now have 100 participating banks involved, banks and credit unions, which, you know, I mean, payment systems only work if you can actually send money between banks. What I will say, there are several key players on there that we'd all recognize, like U.S. Bank, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan. And so you got to believe other payment processors are going to be soon to follow. What I thought was interesting is they've also announced either coming resources or they're ready right now. I need to go back and make sure, but they're going to have a developer toolkit, which you and I know, having lived in this accounting tech space long enough, that getting financial op companies like things like Relay or other companies that are a lot more techie, giving them the resources to integrate and build on top of that platform is going to be huge we're leveraging it. I mean, imagine when QuickBooks gets their hands on this and starts building a direct integration. The teams that can build this to integrate the fastest with their software, the FinOps, are probably what's going to push this forward the fastest. QuickBooks will be the one to screw it up the fastest <laughs> make it painful for someone. No, 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 no. QuickBooks is going to announce we're releasing it next week. And then when the day comes, they're saying, okay, it's going to be available in three months. But like in three months, they're going to say, we're going to do a phased rollout over the next four weeks. It's just going to be perpetually yeah. kicked down the road. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, yeah, if they may open that up, there's a lot of possibilities there. Jeremy, yeah. the other article I thought was really interesting yeah. in noting this week, what major, I guess we can call them a bank, what major financial institution finally released an update notifying their users that they can integrate their bank accounts with QuickBooks, QuickBooks Bank Feed? Trying to think ones that we have struggled with. So it has to be a larger institution or this would not have made Tyler's into news. I don't know. Give me a hint. Don't think like traditionally bank accounts. Think like credit card account. Credit cards. Come. The Discover company. <laughs> oh, it was American Express. So I don't know if you're aware of this, but American Ooh. Express now offers business banking accounts, which low key under the radar, it's a partnership with the company Cabbage. And don't get me even started here because Cabbage is the company that got in trouble for a lot of those like false claims. I know. Ugh. Yeah. I know. So I'm not sure if I'm scared for this. I've still opened them up because I want to see. I do have Amex bank accounts just because I want to see how they work. But they've had these now for a while at 1.5% interest, which for businesses is not bad on any balance. And they're super easy to create accounts, send payments from, but they have not been able to integrate with QuickBooks Bank Feed for the seemingly close to a year that they've been up and running. They just released last month. We can now integrate with QuickBooks. So you, as the business, opened this account, correct? Yes. Yeah. You sound like every bookkeeping firm's nightmare between Profit <laughs> First and all the other things out there that, hey, like there's this new banking product out there. I'm going to open an account for that. I have 50 bank accounts that I need to reconcile every every month. Do you wonder why we have marital troubles? My wife is our in-house bookkeeper, and she will tell you about her worst client that has way too many bank accounts. 
Oh man. How did that conversation go? And you said, Miss Otto, I opened these two other bank accounts just to check out Amex Banks. Three. Oh, sorry. Three bank accounts. What was the reaction? I think we both have realized our place in our marriage where I bring in the money and she effectively spends it. And I don't say that derogatorily. I say she is very good at making sure that this house is stocked and has all the resources. So, you know, we just kind of let each other stick to our lanes. Okay. I got to think there was some swearing either under the (laughs) breath or over it. It's probably in her mind every day. Yeah, right. She's smart enough not to vocalize it or nice enough not to. Love it. Well, cool. Thanks for those updates. Appreciate it. And now it is time for our staple, Fast Figures, where I am going to give you, Tyler, 10 questions, all of them having a number as the answer, and see how you fare. Are you ready, sir? I am super fair. Have you seen how pale I am? I, I have. I the, the sunglasses, if I had them, I'd just put them on right now. <laughs> oh, good. All Let's right. hit it. How many tax returns were filed for the 2022 tax year? We're going to go estimates here. We'll give you some uh, leeway on some of these. 140 million. I don't know. What percent of these were e-filed? 90%. How many miles is it from Salt Lake City, Utah to Las Vegas, Nevada? Okay, I can drive there in five hours. 230. How many tons of U.S. currency is estimated to be shredded every year? 1,600? What is the estimated number of QuickBooks Online users? I'm going to go more than 20. (laughs) What is the estimated number of zero users? More than 10. How many bones are in the human head? 28. Uh, What is the estimated value of the U.S. Federal Reserve assets as of October 25th, 2023? 3.8 trillion. Your last name is a palindrome. It is. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, how many letters does the longest one-word palindrome contain? Seven. There is a Tyler Otto that works for Reddit. What is his title? Badass in Chief. Ooh. What was that for fast figures? How was I supposed to know any of them? I'd say you're supposed to know them. Ah, Also, you were correct. The answer to the last one, not a figure. But if you're going to throw out answers that aren't a figure, sometime I'm going to throw a question that's not a figure. All right. Let's do this. All right. How many tax returns were filed in the 2022 tax year? And I said I'd give you some leeway on some things. You said 140 million. It was 142.6 million. I got to give you that one. Nice work. And what percent of these were e-filed? You said 90%, 94%? Yeah. All right. I'm feeling good. Yeah. How many miles is it from Salt Lake City, Utah to Las Vegas, Nevada? You said 240, maybe. Maybe you had just had the numbers wrong. It's about 420. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Are we talking driving or bird's eye view? Ooh, I was driving. Right? Use an I-15, it looks like. I'm not big on the No, split the difference. It's probably like 350. Okay, that's fair. All right, we'll take it. So yeah, talking about Las Vegas, why would I bring that up, Tyler? What's coming up in Las Vegas? Because you're going to see a a couple of goons in a couple weeks there. I mean, you're going to see a lot of QuickBooks goons in a couple of weeks for sure. QuickBooks Connect is there, which you are attending. I heard not as a speaker, though. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta rub Uh, that one in. Yeah. I'm excited. I love going to QuickBooks Connect now because like half these software vendors made besties with them. And then like at this point, when you make besties with them, they start messaging you ahead of time and inviting you to dinner nights before and the parties. And it's just, 
it's become like a giant social circle. I love QuickBooks Connect. And honestly, that's where I usually learn about a couple softwares that are low key under the radar, like game changing for my firm. Yeah. So that's one I have not attended yet, regrettably, and need to do this, but could not go this year, have a family uh, conflict, but also will be there though the weekend before, and we are going to connect and find all sorts of shenanigans in Vegas. We should do a live Vegas podcast recording. Done. Ah, Let's do it. Love it. All right. Next one. How many tons of US currency is estimated to be shredded every year? You went with 1,600. 5,300 tons of U.S. currency is estimated to be shredded every year. But why? So if it gets to one of the Federal Reserve Banks and it is deemed unworthy to remain in circulation, pull that crap out, shred it. But be happy, supposedly 85% of it is recycled. Thank you, U.S. government. I wonder, I should never walk into a Federal Reserve because they're going to look at me and say that should not go back into circulation. (laughs) right they're gonna shred you on the spot and i will be the 15 percent (laughs) non-recycled that's right put that in the incinerator please all right number of qbo users didn't even want to put a guess went with 20 it is 5 million i would argue i was right Uh, well yeah we're not using greater than or equal or greater than or less than signs here i thought i hacked the game for a second yeah, so it's 5 million and it's up, up to 8 million if you put desktop in there as well. So now like we've I don't know when that point was that there are more online users than desktop, but it must have been a couple years ago at least if there's if it's 3 to 5 right now, a million. Interesting. Right. And I would have thought it was closer because like there are a lot of dinosaurs out there that are still sticking to their desktop guns. Do you think QuickBooks even knows how many people are using desktop? Because how many clients have we brought on? They're like, yeah, it's sitting on a computer that hasn't touched the internet in 20 years in the back office. Yeah, that's true. It's they're probably thinking like estimate of licenses sold for each year or something. Yeah. It's probably closer to half and half then. There probably is 5 million of them and there's 2 million of them that's just unsupported level of the software at this point. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if they include like the old versions too. I don't know. This is interesting yeah. though, because you're right. QuickBooks Online is picking up steam. And while I would still never say QuickBooks Online goes toe-to-toe with QuickBooks Desktop as far as which one's better, all the tools you can connect to online just make it hands down better. I would argue QuickBooks Online is better once you put all these tools on top of it than any experience I've had with Sage or or NetSuite or Dynamics 365 or M3. Like... Just the amount of private money that's being invested into additional resources makes it so valuable. Did you start learning QuickBooks on desktop? My first introduction, yes. I was on QuickBooks desktop for a nonprofit I was a director of finance of. Okay. I think that's why, too. Like, I started with online, and so I loathe desktop to no end. But, yeah, I think that that helps, too. And I, I started on desktop and I loathe it to no end. So we ended up at the same place, Jeremy. Yes. All right. So 5 million active QBO users, and this is worldwide. How many are on yeah. zero? Now that you think about uh, it, you I said, said 10 million. You said 10. The million was implied. <laughs> oh. All right. Now, knowing that QuickBooks has five, though, what do you think for zero? I'm going to go US or worldwide? Worldwide, these are numbers are 1.5 million. 3 million. So I know like they're a lot bigger overseas, Australia, even Europe than what QuickBooks is in some cases. But I was surprised that I was that close, three to five million, that Zero's got that much traction. 
Huh. Interesting. And honestly, then it makes sense why a lot of these softwares are building themselves first to work with QuickBooks and then zero right after. Because I know there's bigger clients on Sage and NetSuite, but it's a volume game for a lot of these software companies. Go at getting as many companies on you can, and then as other ones get big, that's when you have your payday. Yeah. Yeah. How many bones are in the human head? Yeah, we're going to I don't remember the number. 22 bones in the human head. I was close. I said 28. You did say 28. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. The estimated value of the U.S. Federal Reserve's assets as of last week, 3 million or 2.9 trillion, I think you said. 7.9 trillion. So half. Wow. Less than half. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the fun ones. The longest palindrome that is out there. Can t- how many letters? Uh, the longest one I can think of is race car. Is seven. Those is Guinness Book of World Records. So this is worldwide. Two. So it's 17. Oh, it, it's not the in English. Word, it is not English. The word is, I'm going to try here. Saipwa Kivikopias. And it's Logically. a Finnish word for a soapstone vendor. Oh. Just in case you ever are in Finland and need to find some soapstone, make sure you use that palindrome. We're really upping people's knowledge base with this podcast. Absolutely. And our final question, just because I was all about Tyler Otto's last name and palindromes, there's a Tyler Otto that works at Reddit. What is his title? And Tyler, if you're listening, I want to be your friend. But he is the Director of Data Science Threat Analytics. Hmm. Hmm. So like people at Reddit are have this job of assessing the threat or analyzing the threats that are out there in all of their tools. Interesting. Do you think many of the softwares we work with, how many of them do you think take the data security side seriously? Like they're having penetration testing and they're really going to the next level on securing the customer data. Cause I know they all say they are. Do you think all the software vendors we work with do that? I would like to note for the video that I did not even crack a smile when you said penetration testing. And then secondly, yes, I think you have to right now, right? Like you cannot, as a software programmer, like the risk of somebody hacking your tool and using it to do something wrong or bad or whatever it is, is so high that that would completely derail that software from being successful. Or if it is successful, think about LastPass when that happened, right? Like how many people immediately jumped the gun or jumped the ship and went to somebody else? It's just a stigma that like, yeah, it is a stigma that lasts with you forever. I would argue, though, like up until recently, I was not even aware to ask those sort of questions to vendors. And yeah. now I am happy that I do. One I demoed the other day, I asked them like, hey, how frequently are you guys pen testing? And they were even surprised someone asked, but they were excited to share their like results and like, here's what we've got going on. Here's our scores. And like they were excited to share that. I think, you know, if you're ever looking at working with some smaller developer, you want to make sure they're doing that, especially some of these niche industry softwares out there. Yeah. And again, you you have to at this point, being a bookkeeper form and you have access to bank account information and money and all the things like you are target, right? Like you need to know these things. Yeah. All right. I think you just got the first two. So I think we're 20% there, Tyler. That's fantastic. I did not set you up. The fact that you got those first two, I feel like those were maybe the hardest ones out of all these too. It feels like you set me up to have a clean sweep failure again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That might've been the case. Well, Jeremy, we have a winner for the week. 
And really, I'd like to think it's going to be the winners, but our winner for the week. I am going to nominate our listeners. And why? Well, y'all have the chance to immortalize yourself in the Unaccountable Podcast. That's right. We realize it's high time that we have our good friend Ian put together a intro for Fast Figures. So we're going to put in the notes of this episode four lines to introduce that game. If you'd like, submit in an audio clip of you saying them, and we will include you in the annals of Unaccountable History. You will show up on every show, and Jeremy, get that smirk off your face. (laughs) You said annals, right? I did. I did. (laughs) Using complex words over here. As for the loser of the week, Jeremy, who do you got for us? Well, here's a question for you. What state is the bane of my existence right now, Tyler? Oh, I would assume Wisconsin. Well, the, the taxes aside, you probably would be right. California. So I don't know if you heard this, but so all because of all the natural disasters and things that were in California, all of the tax filers got an immediate, like a automatic extension until October 16th to do their tax filing. Huh? How, except for three counties, which I don't know how three counties out of that whole state got exempted from this, but whatever. I'm not going to ask questions here. But then on that due date of October 16th, they extended it for another month to November 16th. So if you were a tax preparer in California, you're my loser of the week is you think you're at the finish line and you got all the crazies taken care of and like, nope, we're done at this point. Oh, just kidding. We're going to give you another month and open that door back up to get all the crazy lazies in there with their tax forms to get filings. You know what? At least they waited until the day of to extend it. Because the amount, like if they would have done that a week before and you were pleading with a client to get you stuff for your tax return, right? Like you want to finish up the returns and get them out the door. And if a week before California said like, oh, we're going to extend the deadline, those clients would hear that and say, oh, great. I don't have to deal with this for a while. And they would ignore you. I hope by announcing it on the day of, it didn't shoot all the tax preparers in the foot because those clients hopefully had submitted everything by that point. That's my thesis. I could be wrong though. All right, I, I respect that take, but it's still ridiculous. Well, Jeremy, that is all we have for this week on Unaccountable. But, and it's a big but, and I don't lie, we have a special guest joining us next episode. So assuming he doesn't quit, we have the one and only Ben Stein joining us for Fast Figures. So until then, I hope you can win Ben Stein's money. And Jeremy, I will talk to you in two weeks, sir. Sounds fantastic and cannot wait for one Ben Stein. Have a good one.